taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to this message. This is the Journey Church Podcast. Our hope is that it leads you closer to Jesus and encourages you to live your life on mission for Him. For more information about our church and how you can get involved in what God is doing at Journey, please visit jrny.church. Hey, as you're getting ready to be seated, why don't you just turn to the person beside you and just say, hey, it's great to sit by you in church today, and then you can be seated. It is always fun to be in church. I love that song. I mean, I like that song. Took a little bit to know it. The words repeat. It's a powerful song. It's powerful to sing the truth of Scripture. Sometimes you sing a song, and it's like, hey, where'd you find that from? And it it sounds good, but you don't really know if it's in the Bible. Maybe it's got some concept from the Bible. But sometimes you sing a song, and it's just straight from the Bible, that God is a a way maker, that he can make a way where there seems to be no way. And one of the best things you can do is even when you don't feel it, what do you do? You just give him your worship. Even when you don't see it, you you trust him. Like there's, there's maturing that happens in those moments of your life. And so, man, we're grateful to be with you today. If you've never been to Journey before, uh, we, we usually sing together for a few moments every, every Sunday, and then we open up the Bible, God's Word, and we, we tend to stay in sermon series. And so just so you kind of know where we've been, uh, we're doing a sermon series called What to Expect, One You're Expecting. If you've never been here before, uh, we are getting ready or we have been making uh, preparations of doing the work to open our fifth campus. We will officially open it on April 7th, but there's people in Montgomeryville uh, watching right now today and joining us. And next week, they're going to kind of have a, a trial run, a dress rehearsal, so to speak. All of our rooms will be open. All of our, uh, everything is going to be running the way it's going to be running. And then uh, April 7th, we'll start a, a new campus. And we are thrilled about that, but we are also aware uh, that anytime you add something, uh, something to your family, that stuff changes. It's, it's just a reality. And so we, we've kind of taken you through a, uh, a process. I tried to, this is why we reproduce. This is why we're ha- ha- starting campuses. Here's why a lot of churches don't do it. Here's some restrictions. You know, we don't dump enough energy. We don't understand. When you understand what Jesus wants to do, you'll, you'll give them everything. And so the last few weeks I said, let me, let me give you some of our responsibilities then as, as a church. One, we're going to create a safe place. And I've tried to tell you, for the last couple of weeks. This is, a, this is a place where it's okay to not be okay. At all of our campuses, if you're not doing okay, we're glad that you're here. If you're here after a rough weekend and you just kind of uh, crawled into church today or you know, kind of wandered in and you're just sitting here and you're just happy to have a, a hot cup of coffee and you're here today and you don't know what to believe, we're, we're glad that you're here. If you don't have your act together, if you've done some really bad things in your life, Journey Church is for you. We believe in the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so this is a safe place. A few weeks ago, I said, we're going to be a church that's maturing. We're not going to be high maintenance because what often happens is in families, uh, the high maintenance, last kid, you are, you are the birth control. Like people, your parents will say, I'm not having any more because I don't want any more of, of, of you. And so I told you, we're not going to be those type of kids in this church. We're going to continue to mature and, and grow in our faith. And then last week I said, we got we to gotta make sure we model at all of our campuses right behavior. That culture trumps mission. That no matter what you do, uh, you can have a product. I used the illustration uh, of Chick-fil-A and, and Popeye's in second service and McDonald's in first service. People got so offended about McDonald's, I went to Popeye's, and they still got offended about that. And I said, listen, Popeye's and McDonald's, their food is as good as Chick-fil-A. The difference is the culture. The, the culture tricks you into thinking that the food is actually good because Chick-fil-A, let me just be honest, I know it's Christian fit, all that stuff. It's not that good. It's just that they make you think it's good because they treat you so well. That's, that's culture. Some of you just got super offended at me. You're never 
never coming back. If you get offended about that, just buckle in and just wait for a few moments. And so you're going to find plenty of things over the next few moments to be offended at me for. And so we are going to end today's sermon series with, with, the, with the title of what I would call a willingness to stretch, a willingness uh, to stretch. And as we go into today's message, I want to make you aware of an event we have on Wednesday night called Fight Night. Uh, and it's an event designed specifically uh, on purpose for anybody who is a teammate at Journey Church. So if you serve here, if you're on one of our teams at any one of our campuses, even if you just started to serve, this night is for you. We believe that alone we can't do much, but together we can accomplish extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. And so it is only only for teammates. Every, everything we do on Sunday, anybody can come to. But if you're not serving, you're not a part of what's going on, you're just kind of coming here and figuring stuff out, you're not going to enjoy it anyway. It's going to be a little bit of praise and worship, not a lot of hype, a, a lot of depth. We're going to take communion together. We're going to pray together. Uh, and we're going to talk about how God wants to continue to grow us in the mission that, that we have. But today, the title is A Willingness to Stretch. How many of y'all are, are, like, like to stretch? Like you're like, I, I, I'm, I stretch before I work out. I stretch when I wake up in the morning. Nobody? We have a problem. Like, how many are like, no, I, I, can, I can do a split. I can bend down. There's a dude in here. You shouldn't be able to do a split. I can do a split. I'm like Jean-Claude Van Damme, right? Like, I can do a split. I, I, I'm not somebody who is very uh, mobile. I don't stretch. I never have. Like, I was one of those guys when they put you in the circle to stretch at soccer or whatever you played. Like, I just, I just faked it. Like, I, I would act like it hurt, but I, I, I don't bend much farther th than this. This is no lie. This is how far that I go. I, I, I don't like it. I don't like to be in pain. I know people say you need to stretch. You're not going to be able to move when you're 60. I, I don't care. Like, by the time I'm 60, I'll just lay around. That sounds like, sounds like heaven to me. And so, uh, and I know that, that I'm kind of playing that, being playful and not serious, but I want to talk to you about the power of, of stretching today. And here's what I want you to know. A growing mission, which is what we have, a growing mission needs to be accomplished by what I would call a stretching mentality. That, it, that if you want to do anything significant for God in your life, that who you are now is not good enough for who you need to be tomorrow. That, that where God wants to take you tomorrow that you are not equipped for it yet. And so in this season, wherever you're at, if you want God to take you into growth and into a different season, you have to be willing in this season to stretch. And if you think about that word, is there a word that better, that better explains and exemplifies pregnancy? Having a baby? I mean, doesn't everything just, I mean, I'm not a girl, uh, but doesn't everything just kind of expand? I mean, stretch? I mean, you, 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 it's very difficult to say, you know what, I'm going to add to this family, and there's always one, there's always like one girl, I'm not a girl, but I've, I've heard this, there's always one that's like, I don't gain any weight when I get pregnant, whatever. Like normal, normal pregnancies, what do you do? You, you have a baby, you're going to put a baby in your body, you're going to grow a baby in your body, girls are so much tougher than guys, you're going to grow a baby in your body, and then you're going to pass that baby, you know, out of you. And that's as far as I'm going to get in that stretching, right? Like, you know, if you were in hell class, stuff stretches, right? It comes like every, what do you mean? Oh, that's, that's, that's the process. God made it. Take it up with him. And so every, like every, everything has to stretch and not just physically. Think about it. Uh, financially stuff stretches. It's not like somebody gives you a baby fund. You have a baby, like here's an, here's, you know, here's an extra 20 grand. Like you have, you have to stretch your, your relationship with, with, with your partner. It changes, it stretches. In order to add, you have to stretch. And you know if you're, if you're a pregnant person, at some point, 
you have to you have to come to terms with that. Like you can't be like, you know what? I'm not I'm not I'm not, I'm not embracing. I'm not I'm not going to gain weight. I'm just gonna you know I I'm just gonna unbuckle my pants and put a, put a little twist on them. Let them get bigger. Eventually, you're gonna get to the point where your old pants they need a vacation. You know, like they. You can't just keep wearing them. Eventually, you're going to have to go to the store. I went and got these, and honestly, I got it. My wife said, why'd you get such a big size? And I said, because I want to try them on later, see what all the hype is about. <laughs> hey, look, like for, for a middle-aged man, these look glorious, just so you know. <laughs> like you just, eventually, what do you got to do? You, your, your belly grows. You got to find pants that what? You got to get rid of the, the buckle, and you got to get these, these a lot. Like every guy in here, you are drooling over here. Like these, these look glorious, right? Like. <laughs> If I could get, I remember when I was 23 years old, this is a true story. I started to gain weight. I was married, content, you know, started to gain weight. Uh, my belly started to, to stretch out and I went to Colts, right? When Colts was super cool back then in 2003, I went to Colts uh, and I, it was, I, I went into the dress clothes section because I was a pastor. I had to wear dress clothes and I, I told you the story before I went and I found pants that looked almost exactly like this. They had little pieces of, of elastic on each side, and, 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 and I put them on, and I was like, wherever I move, they just, they just move with me. I took them home to my wife, and I was like, look at my maternity pants. These are amazing. And she was like, you're fat. I haven't told you because I love you, but you have put on a few pounds. It might need to get, and, and the truth is, I just got bigger pants. Why? Because my, my stomach was growing, and we know this. If something is going to grow to hold that, you got to, you got, you got to make some room forward. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of take you through that process of our church is going to continue to grow. And just so you know, Montgomeryville is not the end. We have already started making plans for our sixth campus. It takes about two to three years. So as soon as we start a campus and we get it going and stuff starts to happen, we immediately say, okay, we have a pursuing mission. We're not a maintaining church. We don't go, okay, this is good. We've reached enough people. We have enough money. We have enough teammates. We are a pursuing church. We are going to continue to pursue the call of God on our church. We think that he has an immeasurably more plan than we could ever ask, dream, or imagine. And by the way, individually, you should have that as well. There should never be a moment in your life where you get into a spiritual size 34 and you say, this feels good. Like maybe physically you don't want to grow anymore, but spiritually you want to make some room. You want to get some spiritual maternity pants. You want to get so big, you got to have some spiritual suspenders to hold up all the things that God is doing in, in, in your life. And I just want you to see from the Bible that this is kind of a spiritual principle. Watch what it says in, in scripture in the book of Mark chapter, chapter two. Jesus says this. He says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. He keeps going. He says, otherwise the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Jesus is saying, I'm not into recycling. Sorry from Kimberton, right? Like I'm not, I'm not in to recycling. And here's why I'm not into recycling. Because those old wineskins, they expand with the, with the wine that you put in. But eventually, it stops expanding. And if you try to then take that, that, that wineskin that's expanded already, the old one, and you pour new wine into it, the new wine is going to push so much on the wineskin, it's going to actually make it explode. And so what you need to do is you need to take new wine, and you need to put it in something that can expand with it, a new wineskin. You don't take old wineskins and put new wine in. Same principle. You want God to do more, then you need to stretch and give him room for you to continue to, to, to grow, continue to become who God called you to be. So for our church, this is an important 
thing because we are asking God to do more. We're, we're asking God for the sixth campus, for the seventh campus, for thousands and thousands and thousands of people to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, for our hands to be useful, for our hearts to be pure, for, for our minds to be one with the, with the will and the way and the kingdom of God. So let me just give you three areas that in this season and probably forever that we will have to embrace in, in the stretch. We need to stretch. Number one is this as a church. We need to stretch financially. We need to stretch financially. I remember, I remember looking back as we had kids. I'm on my third now, and I'm done at three, just so you know. And so like, we have three kids, and I remember every kid that I told you, there wasn't like a baby fund. It wasn't like you were having a kid, and the government was like, you know what? Here's an extra 40 grand. That kid's going to eat you out of house and home. He's going to crap like there's nobody business. Diapers are expensive. You might try to, you know, be like, you know, all natural and use, use washable diapers or reusable diapers. That's disgusting. And so, like, we tried that. And, you know, formula's expensive and baby food's expensive and baby clothes are expensive and they never stopped growing. And nobody gave us money. And so I remember in our lives, there was a season where we had our first kid and it was like, we need to figure out how to stretch what we have. I mean, we need to change some things. We need to embrace some things. Maybe, maybe we need to stop you know, going out to eat so much. And as we added kids, same mindset. And here's the thing about it. As we added kids, when we went to our second and our third kid, this even affected them. Like there was a time when we had Harrison. We didn't you know, get more money to have Harrison. We added him to our lives, our, our third kid. And it was like, we don't have more money, but we have more what? We have more mouths to feed. We, we have more necessity. We have more, we, have more, we have more need. We have more of a burden on ourselves. And so we need to stretch this out financially. And here's the thing about it. Uh, when you have a baby, oftentimes you have a baby and you need to embrace that mindset where you say, hey, how are we going to take care of everybody's needs? And it affects everyone. And I want you to understand something here today. There is always going to be a stretching mindset when it comes to the finances of, of Journey Church. That we will always be, be stretching in, in, in what we're giving. We will always be putting a burden on, on, on our church. Maybe you haven't been here for a long time, so you don't understand this. But I remember in 2008 when we started our, our, our first campus in Limerick. I remember what it was like because we came from a free building where we had no bills, and all of a sudden we had bills. You, you remember this? If, you were, if you're a young person, maybe you don't, haven't experienced this yet, and you're going to in a few months, or, and I'm going to talk you out of it here in a second. You need to kind of get out of your parents' house. You're 35. And so, uh, but like, you remember what it was like if you were a kid. For me, it was 22 years old, graduated from college. Parents dropped me off uh, at, at my first apartment right, out, right out after school, left me. It was in Oklahoma. I wasn't married yet. I was about to get married, and they dropped me off, and I had this realization. I went to Crest grocery store for the very first time, and it was stuff's expensive. I, I, I remember I, I got paid once a month at my first job, and I remember about two weeks into it, I had no money left for the month. You ever been there? You're like, what? Where's the money tree? Where's mom and dad? Where's the 20 bucks you used to give me, right? And I remember what that was, was like to begin to understand the finances and how, and how, how, to, how to stretch. And there's this, there's this understanding you need, you need to get. Like when we've added camps, we, we added Limerick. When we added Limerick, there was a financial stretch. We went from having no bills to having bills. We had an uh, oil bill. We had, we had bills for, 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 for toilet paper. We had bills for coffee. We had bills for air conditioner. We had bills to plow. We had all these bills that came in. And then all of a sudden, there was this stretch financially. A few years later, we started Phoenixville. Maybe you weren't here uh, uh, then, but we started Phoenixville. And if you were here in 2013 at the end, you remember, we stood before our Phoenixville campus and we said, hey, we have an opportunity to move to the Franklin Commons, which is where we're at right now. But we are going to have to stretch financially as a church. Uh, we have an opportunity to move, but we will have to raise. You guys remember this? How much? You, anybody here? We raised $100,000 in one day. 
Some of you, you weren't here, but you're here now because of it. In fact, if you're here currently in Phoenixville, but you weren't here then, you're here because of that day. If you're here in Plymouth Meeting, but you weren't here that day, you're here because of that day. If you're here in Royersford, you're here because of that day. And if you're in Montgomeryville, you're here because of a Sunday in December of 2013 when a church said, we will stretch financially to meet the needs of God's will to reach God's people for the glory of, of Jesus Christ. There's a stretching mentality. There was a stretching mentality from Royersford, from Montgomeryville, for Plymouth Meeting. There will be a stretching mentality later. And here's the thing about it. We need to embrace this because we're never going to get to the point where we have more than enough, where it's like, you know, we'll start a campus because we're so rich. Just like you don't do that with a kid. You're not like, you know what? I'm filthy rich. You know what I'm going to add to my life? Child. Like they, there's nobody can get you ready. You're not like, you know what? We're going to have a baby. You're not right before you get, you know, it's time, it's time for some passion in the marriage. You, 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 you look at the checkbook and you say, Hey honey, I think tonight's the night we can make a baby and add a $20,000 bill to our thing. Usually it's the other way around. The passion comes in, you make the baby. You're like, Oh crap. Right. We need to get up. We need to get ready. We need to stretch financially as a people. And so what I want to encourage you to do is I want you to, to, be, to be aware that right now in this season, we will all be required to, to step up. Those of us that give, maybe we'll give a little more. Those that aren't giving at all, maybe we'll begin to give. We're going to step into a generosity mindset. And here, here's why. You need to understand this. Is our, our pace of a church our mission is going to pace our finances and not the other way around where our finances pace our mission. I want you to hear that again. Our, our, our mission is going to pace and push our finances, not our finances pace our mission. And this is what happens oftentimes, and this happens in families. They're like, I'm not going to have another kid. Why? I don't have enough money. Happens. Let's just not even talk about families. A lot of you are single right now. Some of you dating somebody, and you ask them to marry you. They've been dating you for 17 years. You know, why can't we get married? And what, what do they say? We need what, more what? I find it funny. Sometimes I meet people in church trying to follow God, you know, listen to his will, all that stuff. They live together. They've been living together for seven years. I'm like, why didn't you get married? We don't have enough money. I'm like, you lit? What, what other bill comes in? Like, there's a marriage tax you're going to get, right? Like, you, you pay. You're, you're, you're already living together. It's time to take steps of obedience. What do we often say? Well, I'll do this when I get enough. We do this with, with, with money, too. I'll be more generous when I get what? When I get more. Churches, I'll give more and I'll start campuses when I get more. But here's, here is the mindset of Journey Church. We will let our mission push and pace our, 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 our starting of campuses. We will let it push and pace our finances. We are going to allow it to push and pace the, the, the starting of new reaches and new evangelism and new movements for God. We're going to be somebody who stretches financially. In other words, we're not going to wait around for the perfect conditions to arise ever in our church. It wasn't perfect for Montgomeryville. It wasn't perfect for Royersford. It won't be perfect for Exton or Downingtown or Emmaus or wherever else that we're going to go next. Or maybe we'll just do two at once. It won't be perfect. We're not going to wait around for perfect conditions. We are get out of the boat, a walk on water type of church people. We are bet the farm, big faith, risk it all followers of Christ who believe that you can't outgive God. That's who we are. We're going to risk it all to reach, the, reach, reach people for the kingdom of God. And here's what's cool. There are so many promises about this. You see, when I talk about money, I, I, know, I, I know that it's typically like talking about politics in the world. His butt gets tight. You know, conviction sets in. We tend to get offended. That's just conviction. It's not offense, right? And we, all these things happen. But here's the thing about it. I'm not going to apologize ever about it because actually I, it's something I want for you. We taught our kids this. My parents taught me this. You live with an open hand. You live under an open what? 
One person listened to me, and I, he works for me. That's good, church. We live with the open hand in generosity, and we get to live under an open heaven. There are so many promises of Scripture when it comes to being faithful and generous with your finances. I just want to read you one before we move on to the next, the next point. In Psalms 112, watch what it says. It says, Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great, great delight in his commands. His commands about being generous. You know how I know that? Well, watch what he says. The children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Can you just bring that down for a second? Can I just tell you the best thing you can give your kids is a generous heart? Not, not Disney World. Not a great education. Not, not good, good sports activities. Not well-roundedness. The best thing that my parents, my parents have given me many things. But the best thing they handed down to me was a, was a generous heart. And, and I want to show you why. Watch what he says. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. In other words, the things that I give them don't ruin them. They actually do kingdom work with it. That's what he's saying. He's saying, even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. For those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous, God will come to those who are generous and lend freely. Like, what does that mean? That means you get out and just give money away. Like, if it's time for somebody to do the blessing, you're the one doing the blessing. Watch what he says then. He says, who conduct their affairs with justice, surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. I love this verse. Watch this promise. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear in the end. They will look in triumph on their foes. Why? They freely scatter their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. In other words, what's the number one thing you argue about, fight about, stress about? money. Why? Because you ain't using it the way God told you to use it. And, and here's how I know that. Because I'm a pastor of a church and we work solely off tithes. We don't get government grant funding. I, somebody asked me that one time, you get money from the government? I'm like, I wish. And I tell you right now, in 2011, we started to do what the Bible calls us to do individually, which is put God first in your finances. So as a church, we started to tithe. And in every season of our church, from time to time, I get stuff in the mail. It's like dark death and gloom news. Like the world is caving. The economy is going. And you know what? I have never once gone, we're screwed. You know why? My father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And I have been faithful with what God has called us to be faithful with. And our church years ago started writing 10% checks out to organizations that we get no benefit from, which we have continued to do even to this day. And what's so cool is what was a whole year's worth of giving in 2011, we've already done in 2019. A whole year's worth in 2011. Why? Because when you scatter your gifts to the poor freely, God is able to bless you. When you live with an open hand, you get to live under an open heaven. We're going to stretch financially. Can I give you just two more real fast that we're going to need to stretch in? Yeah, we're going to make room what I would call stretch relationally. Can I, can I tell you what happens in, in our churches? The more that we come to church, the more that we go to our campus, the more that we get involved in home groups, the more that we, we kind of spend time here, the closer we get with everybody. Am I right? Like you begin to have this kind of circle of trust, like on Meet the Parents, that movie from years ago, where the guy said, I have this circle and you're out of it. And you have this circle, this trust circle. You come as an outsider. You spend all of your time in the church. You hang out with church people. And all of a sudden, you have your, your circle. And the circle gets extremely comfortable. And I want to encourage you that you will continue to need to make room in, in your circle, to stretch relationally. And this happens when you have a kid. I remember I had two boys. I had a four-year-old and I had a, a four-year-old, not a two, a four-year-old, and I had a six-year-old. I had Lincoln and I had Carter. 
And we were good. Well, me and my wife, we played man-to-man defense. We had, we had these two. We figured them out. Like We had a lot of good memories with them. And then we went and messed everything up. We decided to have a third kid. And we brought this kid into our, into our home. And i got to be honest with you, it was like bringing a foreigner in. Like We had our thing. We had our, our habits. We had our agenda. We had our circle. And Harrison came in, and he, he was the one. He turned the circle into a, a maze, right? Like he just turned the world upside down. We were sleeping. We, were in, we, we, we ate at certain times. We did this. We went on walks, and we brought this guy in. And, and, and when I first got him, I was like, I don't know about you. <laughs> and it wasn't because I didn't like him. It was because it was changing. I had my circle. You know, I was, I was part of a family of four. It just made sense to me. Like, if, to me, it seems like if you don't own a minivan and you just have a normal car, like, God created there to be space like the Red Sea in between the two kids because if you put them right next to each other, the fighting never stops. And so we had them spread out, and then all of a sudden, we added this baby, and all of a sudden, everybody was together. And when you put little kids together, chaos ensues, right? So they're together, they're touching each other. But after a while, he's six, almost six years old, he began to be part of the family. We stretched relationally. In fact, to this point today, I will tell you, I don't know what my life would look like without him. Like, I don't know what it w- would be like. Like, now he's, he's my son. He's supposed to be there. Like, he has his spot. Like, everybody, you, if you ever met Harrison, you won't make room for Harrison. Like, everybody has kind of made room for Harrison. He's becoming, like, for years, Carter and Lincoln were boys. Like, I would just go, boys! And they knew that was my four-year-old and my six-year-old. You're not boys, you're just a baby. But he has graduated to now being boys. All three of them get in trouble together now. And I go, boys! Like that now. And they are a part of what's going on. And it wasn't always like that. We had to stretch relationally. And I just want to encourage you. Some of you, you've closed off yourself. We do this in church. You close off yourself. This is my clique. This is where I sit. This is my campus. These are the people I go to home group with. My home group's full. Like I have, we have six, seven, eight, nine adults in our home group. And we each have had 16 kids. And so it's literally a mega church coming to my home group. And it's home group time, but we don't have time because we're all kind of in this circle together. And all my friends sit on the left side at church. All the heathens sit on the right side at church. All my friends go to Royersford campus. I don't even want to know about the Limerick campus. This is my campus. And we kind of get this mindset where we're closed off relations, relationally. And I want to encourage you to, to stretch your mindset when it comes to welcoming new people. In fact, I made up a word and I can make up words because uh, I'm the pastor. In fact, one of our tech guys today said, he said, I keep a running list of the words you make up. <laughs> and I said, I'm allowed. Like, I'm, I can make up whatever I want to fit into my message as long as it's not heresy. And so the word is what I would call invitationality. Don't Google it. It's not there. And what invitationality is, is living an invitational life of intentional life of invitation, living a life full of intention where you are constantly keeping your eyes outward. In fact, Jesus, he, he was really good at this. One day he's at a party and he notices everybody at the party is kind of there. They all like each other. You know, they're BFFs. They're, you know, they're, they're all followers of each other's Instagram's account. Like they're, they're all, they all have the same look, same mindset, same friends. And Jesus says this to them in Luke chapter 14, verse number 12. Uh, when you give a, a luncheon or a dinner, don't just invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, your rich neighbors. <laughs> if you do, they may invite you back and you will be repaid. But watch what he says. But when you give a banquet, here's how I want you to be if you're going to be a follower of me. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Isn't that neat? The parties you throw... The mindset you have, the life that you have, when you invite somebody, let, let, me, let me explain, let me give you just all the way back to your childhood. 
when you develop in your, in your kids the, the mindset, when they go to lunch, that if they don't have assigned seats, they can pick wherever they want to sit, that they always look for the people sitting by themselves and they sit with them. The Bible says that God remembers that years later at the resurrection of the righteous. When you throw a home group at your house and you come to church and maybe you step outside of what you've been doing, you start your own home group and you sit in church and you look around and you pray, God, give me, give me three or four people to invite that I don't know. When you look down and you see a couple or a, a single person or whatever sitting in a row kind of by themselves, not really knowing what's going on and the Holy Spirit tells you like they're kind of feeling uncomfortable and you go and you invite them in and that's the first step to them becoming all that God has called and created them to be, that gets remembered at the resurrection of the dead. You know what doesn't get remembered? Your title at the end of your name, the college that you went to, the house that you owned, the car that you drove, the number of people that you dated, the hotness of your spouse, the accomplishments of your kid. Doesn't say God brings them back up and goes, attaboy. So when you take moments, when you live a life of invitationality, an intentional life of invitation, stretching where it feels, where it feels like you need to be kind of close, like I don't trust people, and I get it. Like I'm one of those people. It takes me years to trust people. It takes them a moment to lose it. You ever been there? I don't know if it's a Philly thing or a sin thing. But I'm one of those people, like I, I don't trust people, but I'm so glad that my parents, they, they put something inside of me that was different. I, I can't tell you how many times my parents were pastors. And there's a verse in the Bible that says, as a pastor, you should love hospitality. The word hospitality in the Greek means love of strangers. You should love that. And I can't tell you how many meals, how many, how many holidays, how, how many parties, how, how many events where I thought it would just be family that I walk in or I show up or I wake up some mornings and some random person be sitting at the table. It got to this point where I was just like, whatever. I can tell you times of different, of different people. I remember when I was in high school, uh, an English guy uh, named Carl, he had gotten a DUI. He could only ride his bike to work and back. He just randomly started living in my house. I can tell you fights that we had because he tried to take over my TV and he would clean, help clean the house. He said, you can't go in there. And I'll say, Carl, this is my house. Go back to England, right? Like, we won the war. But I remember, I, remember, I remember moments at holidays where just random people would show up. And I got to be honest, in my, in my carnal reaction, I was like, I don't want them here. I don't know them. I don't want to have to ask them questions. This is my holiday. This is Christmas. I don't want to talk to somebody I don't know. My parents, they taught me the love of strangers, the life of invitation. You are constantly bringing people into your life, bringing people into your, your, your circle. You're sitting with somebody new at church. You're talking with somebody new at work. You're going to a new campus and helping us start a new work. You're, you're asking your kids, who knew? Don't ask them just if they talk to their friends. Of course they talk to their friends. What new kid did you meet at school today? What kid did you, did you sit with? Invite someone new to your home group. Be the approacher in new environments. And here's, I know there's pushback here because we're from Pennsylvania and we are super awkward. When I say be the aggressor, you're like, I don't do that. That's not who I am. I'm insecure. I'm intimidated. I'm quiet. And I'll say, that's who you are before you met Christ. But the spirit of God now lives in you after you meet Christ. And when you get filled with the spirit, you get the same compassion as the son. You're going to live differently relationally. And num number, number four or number three, sorry, we're going to stretch in our, what do we call, comfortability. We're going to stretch in our finances as a church. We're going to become more generous as a church. Our, our, our mission will pace our finances. We're going to stretch in our, we're going to welcome new people into our circles. We're going to look for new people to connect with. We're going to be the type of people, I don't ever want to be the church, by the way, where somebody comes to this church and they leave and they say this, no one even talk to me. 
The only people who did talk to me had the here to serve tags on. I'm pretty sure they had to talk to me. That was their job. Can I just encourage you for a second? If you go to this church and you're part of this team, you might not be wearing the here to serve tag on the outside, but you are always wearing a here to serve tag. Maybe you should just put it on under your clothes every week and just remember, I'm here, I'm here to serve today. That person that I sit by that, maybe they don't know Christ, I'm, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve them. I'm going I'm to love them. I'm going to reach out to them. I'm going to make sure they know that we're glad that they're, they're here. And the last one that I found that is, that is often the most difficult is as a church, we're going to stretch in our, in our comfort. Here's what I believe. Comfort is what I would call the greatest enemy of calling. And the truth is, when you have a baby, do they not creep on your comfort? Like there's just, all of a sudden you got, I mean, I, I can tell you nights, like before I had any kids, like every night I got in my bed and I just slept. Literally every night. Like if I, if I couldn't sleep, like but most nights I just put my head down. I said, it's time for me to go to bed or I want to go to bed right now or I don't want to go to bed, but I'll decide. And after you have a baby, you just stop deciding that. They decide. Remember when you first bring them home, you put them in a bassinet or wherever you put them in your room, and when they wake up, everybody wakes up. Some guys are like, no, nah, I sleep like a bear. I didn't get that gift. Like, I'm a light sleeper. So I remember he crept, they crept on my, my comfort. I remember other nights they would come in sick or whatever, and they would have a bad dream, and all of a sudden they'd be in bed with you. You remember those nights? And you're like, how does a, a, a baby or a toddler that is 25 pounds take up a king-size bed? You're rolling, your feet are in your back, they're pushing you out, it gets, and you're like, they're creeping on my comfort. But the truth is, if you're going to have kids, you just have to be willing to give up your comfort. To, to, to grow, you got you to stretch in your, your willingness to be uncomfortable. And, and I'll tell you this. I'll tell you, for many of you, God wants to do something more than he's doing in your life right now currently. But the only way he can do that is if you allow him to take you out of your comfort zone. You, you allow him to, to, to what I would call stretch you. In fact, watch what the Bible says in Proverbs 1. It says, the waywardness of the simple, it kills them. But watch this verse, because this is, this is the opposite of, of calling. It's comfort. But the complacency of fools will destroy them. Now, I've never seen The Greatest Showman. Uh, I, never, I tried to watch it. I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm not into it. I don't want to say anything else to get in trouble. I didn't watch it, but I know that it's about the guy who started the circus, J.T. Barnum. And I know in the movie he says this quote, but it's an actual real quote. I Googled it. And he said this. He said, he said comfort is the greatest enemy of progress. Comfort is the greatest enemy of progress. You're going to get comfortable here. Comfortable at your campus. Comfortable at your church. Comfortable in your marriage. Comfortable at your, your work. Like, like comfortable in everything you do. He says comfort is the greatest enemy to progress. Big dreams are scary. There's a reason we say it's outside of our comfort zone. We oftentimes get comfortable in our routine. Change, it's scary, but without change, we don't grow. Our, our, our circumstances will not get any better either. If you keep doing the same thing, you end up getting the same results. So it's about trying something new and stepping outside of our comfort, asking God to stretch us. And here's the thing about it. I don't know what that looks like for you. I know what it looks like for me. I know what it looks like. I think this, this is both relationally and financially. I know what it looks like for God to take me outside of my comfort zone financially and say, hey, you're going to give even more every year. I feel like he's asked us, you just give even more than you gave last year. Just give even more. I know what it feels like to be, to be stretched in my relationships where God says, I'm going to take you outside of your comfort zone. And there's like people that like I can just be myself around. And God says, I need you to expand that circle. 
I'm not sure what your comfort zone looks like, but I'll tell you this. Your comfort zone is dangerous to the call of God. It's actually the willingness to stretch that leads to God's ability to bless. Now, that's what happens. In fact, I was reading this week as I wrapped this message up. And in the book of Mark chapter 3, there's a story of Jesus' interaction with this man with a shriveled hand the Bible talks about. And the Bible talks about, man, when I read it, sometimes I like to read it, but I, I like to try to put myself in that guy's situation. So I started thinking about his life. He had a shriveled hand. It's probably kind of a source of embarrassment for him. Like, it's probably not something he just walked around. It wasn't like a, a party conversation starter. Like, it probably, he was probably kind of embarrassed. I, they used to wear those kind of robes or whatever, you know, dresses, stuff, whatever that was. And I just imagine he kind of let his, his robe hang over his hand and and I feel like it was kind of a source of embarrassment. And here's what I think. If Jesus was, was all about comfort in that situation, in an uncomfortable situation, he's going to heal this man. But I think his process would have been, let me just heal you. Let me just walk by and touch you. Your hand's going to be healed and you'll be fine. But that's not what Jesus does. You read the story. The first thing Jesus does is he calls the man up in front of everybody. I mean, if you could just go into the man's, the man's heart, let me think it started... He's thinking, Jesus, you're wild. What are you doing? Just tell me I can be healed. You did it with the woman with the issue of blood. You're going to do it multiple times over. Why, 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 why we got to do this? Yeah, I have faith. You just heal my hand. And then he says this. He says, stretch out your hand. Not only is he in front of a whole group of people like this, now he's stretching out his hand that everybody can look at. And in his, don't you think his chest is just beating super fast? He's going, I don't want to hear questions. I was trying to like that girl over there. Now she's going to see my messed up hand. Thanks, Jesus. Like, just leave me the way that I am. Don't ask me to come up in front of people. Just leave me alone. I was fine before you did all this. I think we do this with God many times. Why would you ask me to be uncomfortable? Why would you put me in situations where, where my faith is being stretched? Why would you put me in a situation where I feel insecure and like I'm not in control? Because it's there you see the power and the majesty and the miraculous work of your God and the Bible says he stretches out his hand and when he stretches out his hand because of the power of Jesus his hand is made whole it took the stretch to get the blessing it took the stretch to get the blessing and I'm telling you right now some of you in your life God wants to do more than you can imagine I won't say some of you I'll say all of you and I think all of us know this is where I'm comfortable. This is where I'm known. This is what I do. This is where I go. This is where my peeps are. This is where my friends are. And I'm going to tell you, in a church that wants to continue to grow, that church has to be filled with the people that are willing to stretch. We're going to continue to make room for what God wants to do in us so that he can continue to do something powerful through us. Are you with me, church? Are you willing to continue to give? Are you willing to continue to open up your lives? Are you willing to step outside of your comfort zone? so that God can work in a miraculous way. Here's what I found. We call this capacity a lot, increasing your capacity. That means there's more in you than you can imagine. And what I believe is when you increase the capacity of your plate, God will always increase his power. You put more room on your plate. You make more room in your money. You step out in more faith with your friends and in your comfort zone. God will always show up more in a powerful way. Would you pray with me all over our houses? Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for speaking through your word over the, over the last six weeks and preparing this church for this season. 
We don't believe we're the best church or the only church. But we know why we exist. We know what the, the world needs. We know we're surrounded by lost friends and lost family members and lost co-workers. And you have sent us on a mission together to seek and save the lost. You love people more than we can even fathom. And we are privileged and we are honored to be a part of it. And so, Lord, as we close out this, this sermon series, Lord, and we step into a new season as a church, Lord, would you call us into deeper waters? Would we have a moment where we're like Peter, when Jesus says, walk on water, and we walk. And I know sometimes we look at that story as, as Christians, and we say he failed, and I said, no, no, he's the only one who got out of the boat. And we're not a failure if we sink, we're a failure if we don't get out of the boat. And so, Lord, we step outside of our comfort. Lord, we step outside of our relationships and the safeness of them, Lord. We step outside of the way we want to handle our money, and we step fully into your call. Lord, stretch us so that we can handle the growth that you want to accomplish in and through our church. And Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, that you're speaking individually, that your spirit is here. Lord, that my job was to be a messenger for you today, that as I fade into the background, Holy Spirit, that you, your voice grows louder. And Lord, right now in this, in this moment at all of our campuses, Lord, everybody else is kind of on the wayside, and this is just between you and each person. You're a God that loves us individually. You speak to us while we're right here by ourselves. You have something you want to speak. You have something you want to say. You have a change you want to lead us to. Lord, I'm grateful for what you're doing right now. I'm grateful for how you're moving. I'm grateful that Christians are going to leave this place and they're never going to be the same again. So Holy Spirit, we invite you. Would you continue to speak? Lord, as people are praying all over our houses with your eyes still closed and your head still bowed at all of our campuses, you know, the reason we do all of this the reason we have church, the reason we give, the reason we start campuses is because we believe, we believe in the power of God. We believe in the love of Jesus Christ. And we believe in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I believe the promise of Scripture says any time that we lift up the name of Jesus, that his presence shows up in a powerful way. And he's here right now. And there's something that happened if you go into the Bible. Anytime Jesus shows up, Religious people get convicted, and hurting people get saved. And so if you're hurting, if you're lonely, the Bible says if you're tired or weary, you can come to Jesus because he's here to give you rest. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. So maybe you're not a typical church person. Here's what you know. My life is not where I want it to be. My pain is too much for me to endure. My mistakes are unfixable. My past is dark. My future seems bleak. I've tried everything else in this world to find peace and joy and hope. I've tried to find love, yet I'm always left wanting. And here's what I would tell you, friend. That's because you've been looking for, for something. And the answer to you is someone. His name is Jesus. He's the one who saves. He's the one who forgives sins. He's the one who sets people free. And this is Jesus' moment. He is here right now. And the Bible says that he begins a work, and here's what he does. He begins to knock at the door of people's heart. And what he's saying is, I want to come in. I want to forgive your sins. I want to set you free. 
I want to be your savior. I want to be your Lord. I want to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I want to give you purpose and meaning and hope. I want to give you peace where you felt like you had none. I want to give you joy where you've been filled with anxiety and fear. I want you to know I love you. Now Jesus is here right now. He's here right now. The same way he spoke to the man with the shriveled hand. He's speaking to you and he's saying, hey, I want to know you. I died for you on a cross. I sacrificed my life in your place. When I was put in the tomb, they thought my story was over. But on the third day, I rose in power. And he rewrote history. And when his story was supposed to be over, it was just beginning. And can I just tell you, friend, maybe everybody has written you off. And maybe your story is supposed to be over. And maybe it feels like you can never go back. But Jesus is the forgiver of your sins. Jesus is the one who heals our past. Jesus is the one who makes us whole. Jesus is the one who secures our future. Jesus is the one who reserves our place in heaven, not because we're good people, but because he's a good God. And the Bible says that our response is to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. So here's what we do in this moment. At all of our campuses, there's nobody looking around. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. He's been reaching out to you. There's somebody standing at every campus just like I am right now. And what we do at the end of every journey, church, we've done it for the last decade of a church, and we will do it until Jesus tells us we're done, is at the end of every service, no matter what we preach, we believe there's somebody there, multiple people there, that are not in right standing with God through Jesus Christ, and you are fully aware of it, and you're ready to make a change. The Bible says if you are ready, he's here to receive you. He loves you more than you can imagine. It's what we do at this church. It's very reminiscent of when a parent reaches out or a kid reaches out to a, to a parent. It's, a, it's, a, it's an earthly symbol that I want you to pick me up. The Bible says that God is our heavenly father. And so I'm not going to make you come forward. We're not going to call you out. We're not going to make you stand up. But I want to know I'm praying with you. And so we take one step of courage in the direction of our heavenly father. And just like a toddler puts their hands towards, towards their parent in a symbol that I need you to pick me up. That's what we do here right now at the end of this service. If that's you all over our houses and you need to respond to the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. That he's been doing the work and right now you need to receive him. If that's you all over our houses. I want to know that I'm praying with you as we close. One step of boldness, if that's you, just shoot your hand up in the air and say, hey, today's going to be the day I make Jesus the Lord of my life. Today's going to be the day that I get my life in right standing with Jesus Christ. If you're at Montgomeryville, if you're in Limerick and Royersford and Plymouth Meeting and that's you, I just want you to shoot your hand straight up in the air and let me know that I'm praying with you as we close. I'm going to give you one more second in Phoenixville and then we're going to begin to pray. If that's you and you missed that first time, hey, I need to get my life right with Jesus Christ. I can feel him working in my life. I can feel him knocking at the door of my heart. And today I want to get, get it right standing with him. I want to ask him to be my Lord and my Savior. Let's begin to pray, church. Thank you for this day, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your word, for it never returns void. Thank you for those that are here right now that for the very first time are stepping into faith with Jesus Christ. Lord, they're making you the Lord of their life. They're receiving what you did for them on that cross 2,000 years ago. Your death, your burial, and your resurrection. And it's forgiving them, and it's setting them free. And here's what the promise of Scripture says. That they become a brand new creation. Lord, that what you did for them is bigger than anything that's ever been done to them. 
They leave this place full of joy, full of peace, full of love, full of mercy. Jesus, you're doing a work inside of them and the promise of scripture is this one moment with you is accomplishing more than a thousand elsewhere. Lord, there's somebody new. Lord, when they leave this place, and maybe, maybe the enemy, Satan, deceives them and says, nothing happened there. That decision wasn't that big of a deal. Let them remember the truth of what they've done. That when you call on the name of the Lord, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, that the Bible says they will be saved, that their name is being etched in the Lamb's book of life, that their past is forgiven, that their present finds purpose, and that's, that their future is secure in Jesus Christ. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for all that you continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray, church. Let's shout amen one more time together. Come on, let's clap at all of our campuses.